Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the John Campia Podcast. I am, of course, your host, John Campia. And as you can see, I'm not in my regular setup. I'm in a little bit of a rush this morning because I'm getting out of here to go and watch a screening of Valerian. They're doing a screening at 10 a.m. in the morning. I'm not quite sure why it's at 10 a.m. in the morning, but I'm excited to see the film, so I want to get out of here and go do that. So this episode of the John Campia Podcast is going to be a little bit more low-key than normal. Might also be a little bit quick, but I got some great questions nonetheless. Now, Throughout the day on my YouTube channel, I like to talk about on my vlog, the daily breaking news and stuff like that. But here on the John Campy podcast, I just like to take the topics, opinions and questions that you guys send to me. How do you get a topic or a question to me? It's simple. Just send me an email anytime at the John Campia podcast at gmail.com or make sure you're following me on Facebook and Twitter at John Campia because every once in a while I call for questions on there. I've got the light right on my face. So I've got my uh, gunner anti, uh, anti glare glasses on so I don't get a headache doing this. So with all that out of the way, I'm going to get to the first question in just a second. But I want to let you guys know too, uh, that I've got, uh, there's, there's this guy, his name's Adam, who's been following me for years, but apparently he's been watching my shows for a really long time. And now he watches the John Campy podcast now that I'm here on my own YouTube channel. And Adam's got this, uh, wonderful wife named Beth. And Beth got a hold of me a little while ago and, uh, she's got some news she wanted to share with Adam, but she thought maybe, uh, it might come better for me. So Adam. Or should I call you dad? Yes, Adam, you're going to be a dad. Uh, Beth just let me know and she just wanted to pass it on to you. So congratulations, Mazel Tov and whatever else the big celebratory words are. Adam, you're going to be a dad. Congratulations to both you and Beth. And I wish you guys and your new family all the happiness in the world. Please make sure you email me pictures when the little one shows up. All right, guys, now let's move on to the first question of the day. And the first question today comes to us from Jake Cleveland, who writes, Hey, John, I have a question about property rights. I was recently watching the first Spider-Man movie, and I noticed Aunt May told Peter he's not Superman. I was just wondering how a Spider-Man movie that is made by Sony could reference a DC superhero owned by Warner Brothers. 
Would love to hear your opinion, or am I just overcomplicating this? Yeah, no, it's a fair question, Jake, but yes, you are overcomplicating it a little bit. Remember, in that movie, when she says, you're not Superman, Aunt May wasn't suggesting that the character of Kal-El and Superman actually existed in that world. She was merely referencing the comic book character Superman. That's a thing that's out in the world. In movies and TV shows and things like that, you're allowed to reference things that are out there there and a part of our culture. You can reference them. Now, what Sony can't do is suggest that the real Superman is out there flying around in New York City, saving people in the same neighborhood that Spider-Man's in. That would be a totally different thing. But Aunt May referencing Spider-Man is no no different than referencing the Empire State Building. Or, uh, you know, I've seen lots of TV shows where they reference the old cartoon Tom and Jerry, or they make Star Wars references or whatever. It just doesn't matter. As long as it treats it as what it is in our world. It's a comic book character that's out there. It's a part of our pop culture. You can reference those things. So, yes, uh, Aunt May wasn't referring to an actual alien named Kal-El flying around New York City. She was just referring to the comic book character, in which case you can make references to stuff like that. So, fair question, though. Fair question. You'd be surprised. I've had people ask me questions like that over the years. So, don't don't feel bad about the question. All right. The next question today comes to us from Jim Casey, who writes... It seems after watching the movie that Marvel really wove Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Talking about the movie, talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. Of course, that's in theaters now. What happens if after Homecoming 2, Sony and Marvel decide not to continue the deal? For Marvel, it seems easy. They just don't put him in any more MCU films. For Sony, how would they unravel Spider-Man out of the MCU without having to do yet another reboot? Thanks for your time and love the new podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot. So, you know, Sony and Marvel have their deal where Spider-Man can be in the MCU and such and such. But the deal is only good for a couple of films up and until the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. Right now, we all just call it Homecoming 2, but that's not what the movie's going to be called. But for now, let's call it Homecoming 2. So this deal between Marvel and uh, Sony lasts until Homecoming 2. So what happens after that? What happens if they don't extend the deal? Well, then actually, it's not that big of a problem. Look, recent comments from Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal have led a lot of people, including myself, to believe that the way the the Sony films are going to work, Black Cat and Silver Sable, Venom and that kind of stuff, they're going to act like the Netflix Marvel shows act. Yes, in the Netflix Marvel shows and Jessica Jones and uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage and Daredevil and ultimately the Punisher and the Defenders, I'm sure. Every once in a while, they drop references to things that are going on in the MCU, but you never see the MCU and the Netflix series crossover. You never do. It's almost very awkward how little the MCU or the Netflix series ever actually makes any direct references to the MCU. It's incredibly rare and small. If all of a sudden tomorrow... You said that the Netflix universe and the MCU were now two totally different things. It really wouldn't affect the MCU at all, and it wouldn't affect the Netflix series at all. Yes, they've dropped some vague references here and there, but ultimately, it's nothing you can't work around. It's really not that big of a deal. Anyway, I believe the same thing is going to be happening with the, uh, you know, as a result of Amy Pascal's comments, that the same thing is going to be done with the Venom universe. The Venom movie is going to happen in the same reality. It's going to happen in the same world. But they're just not going to cross over. They're just not going to really reference each other that much. So Venom will be doing his thing. You might hear them drop a reference of the incident, or you might hear them drop a reference of 
those masked heroes or something like that here and there, just to let us know they're in the same world. But ultimately, they're really not going to have anything to do with each other. So if by the end of Homecoming 2, if Marvel and Sony don't have a deal anymore, well, then it's really not a big deal for Sony. Like you pointed out, they just move on and don't have Spider-Man in their movies anymore. But I also don't believe it's going to be that big of a deal for this Spider-Man universe. Because not only were the ties never going to be that strong, but on top of that, look at the way Fox manages it, man. You think Fox lost any sleep over, wait a minute, how can we have Leif Scheiber as Sabretooth? We already had Sabretooth. How do we explain this to the audience? It's simple. Let's not explain it. Let's just make the movie and, you know, understand, get it that the audience will understand and just move on. Because, you know, they did that Wolverine movie with Leif Scheiber as the new Sabretooth, and they didn't even try to address the fact that the first X-Men movie had a very different saber tooth in it. And they didn't even bother trying. They didn't even, it's not even worth it to explain it. Who cares? Let's just move on. And that's the way, you know, my, my thing about Fox, they're saying over at Fox is continuity, schmontinuity. They've just never cared. And I think if for whatever reason, and I still think they'll extend this deal, but if for whatever reason they don't extend the deal, I believe that's what it'll do. Sony will just move on and go, well, whatever. Yeah, we made, we dropped some vague references in our films, but it doesn't really matter. Let's just move on. And I think they'll handle it the same way Fox has handled their continuity issues. So I really don't think it would be that big of a deal. But again, at the end of the day, I do think Marvel and Sony will extend this deal if the success of Spider-Man Homecoming is anything to go by. All right, let's move on to the next question. And the next question comes to us from Daniel Fitzpatrick, who writes... Hi, John. Loving the new resurgence of the channel lately. Thank you so much. I've been working really hard on it. My question is about why studios release certain movies a lot later in some countries. For example, Cars 3 is only opening here in Ireland this forthcoming weekend, whilst it opened in the U.S. a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it's always been a conundrum for me. I've never really understood the logic behind studios opening one movie in one country and then not opening that movie in another country for four or five months. Like, I, I've just never got the logic. Now, I did talk to some studio reps before, and I remember I used to work with AMC Theaters, and I talked to them a little bit about it, and it can vary. The The reasons why studios will open movies at different times in different countries can vary. It can go from anything of, it's a marketing decision, because while, like, certain months in the United States are hot months for movies that could be different in different countries. And they may want to release their movie in a certain month that's a hot month in a different country or the opposite. They may want to release their movie in a month that's not a traditional hot month for that country for movies. And they'll want to put it there. And that just doesn't happen to line up with the North American release. Also, Remember, the movie game is a big game of chess. Studios are always thinking about and looking at what would our movie be opening against. And since everybody opens their movies at different times around the world, like just because they they might want to match up their movie with another movie that's opening in the U.S. at a certain time. But that movie isn't opening in Germany until four weeks later. Well, then in Germany, they want to may want to move their film four weeks later so it can still match up with that film in Germany. So there's everything from cultural differences to strategically trying to figure out when they're opening their film against certain other films. It could just be a rights issue. Who knows? There's a lot of different reasons why. For me, I've always advocated for a one universal release date. 
I've always thought that you should just have like if November 2nd is release date, release it on November 2nd around the world at the same time. I also think that would help the issue of piracy around the world. I think a lot of the reasons the early days of piracy was proliferated by, I believe, especially in China, because that's where a lot of the the uh, bootlegs and a lot of the piracy happened was in China, was because these big movies would open in North America. And people in China and all over the place would see all the ads and see all the trailers because we're putting them online. And then we're telling them, oh, but our movie doesn't open in your country for another three months or whatever. So that bred piracy. And I always thought that having a one world release date wouldn't necessarily fix all of piracy, but I thought it would make a dent. Now, China is a different issue because China only allows a certain number of films in their country every year. But still, I thought, I still believe a one universal release date for movie is best, but there are a lot of reasons why studios pick different days in different countries. Thanks a lot for the question. Next time I'm with a studio rep, I'm going to ask them that question directly. Maybe I can get a more exhaustive answer that I'll address here on the podcast sometime. All right, let's move on. The next question comes to us from Joshua Langston, who writes, Hey, John, here's one I hope you can talk about. Do you think we'll see any more movies set in Middle Earth? I understand that New Line Cinema has just the rights to The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, not The Silmarillion, unfortunately. Do you envision a return to this world someday on the big screen? Um, honestly, no. I don't. I mean, maybe someday in a reboot, five or ten years from now, maybe someday they'll reboot The Lord of the Rings or something along those lines. The Hobbit trilogy was not greatly received. It made a lot of money. And I enjoyed The Hobbit trilogy, but it was a ma- – even somebody like me who's a Hobbit trilogy defender will completely and openly acknowledge it was a huge nosedive in quality compared to The Lord of the Rings trilogy, which is one of the greatest – as a collection, one of the greatest pieces of cinema I think ever made. I still think uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King is the single greatest accomplishment in the art of filmmaking. When you consider all the different aspects and all the different disciplines that went into it, it was just an amazing achievement. But The Hobbit was a bit of a nosedive. So what do you do? Do you continue with that or do you kind of pull the plug on that? I think you kind of pull the plug on it. To complicate matters, you specifically bring up the Silmarillion. And I've always kind of considered that unshootable. Like, I honestly don't know how you make that book, which I enjoy. How do you make that a movie? I mean, really, it's it's difficult. It works fine in the medium of a book, but you'd have to make a lot of significant changes to it to make it a coherent three-act film. I think it would be challenging. Now, a lot of people said for a long time that the uh, the Watchmen was unfilmable, and some people still think it was unfilmable. It didn't, it didn't work out so well. Some people love that movie, but I think this book is in the same boat as that. I'm just not quite sure how you film it and how you make it, like I said, a coherent three-act story. I think it's going to be really challenging for them to even try. So, uh, no, I don't think we're ever going to see that one, and I do think it's time that they kind of reboot the franchise. Not yet, but maybe five or ten years from now. All right, thanks a lot for the question. Let's move on now. And the next question comes to us from Chris DeBoard, who writes, It's obvious that DC is trying to have the same success the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had. Do you ever think that DC will be as successful and intricate as Marvel has been able to be? With a lot of projects they're working on seemingly stuck in development hell, I just don't see the DCEU lasting much longer than Justice League 2. Well... It's a fair observation, Chris, but let me challenge a couple of things. First of all, you mentioned that DCU is just trying to have the same success that Marvel's having. And no, they're not. DC is trying to be successful. 
That's it. They're just trying to be, just like the MCU is trying to be successful. Just like Star Wars and Lucasfilm is just trying to be successful. Just like Jurassic World is trying to be successful. Just like the Fast and Furious franchise is just trying to be successful. They're not trying to have the same success Marvel had. They're just trying to be successful just like everybody else. Now, it is true that up until this point, they have not been as successful as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Absolutely. They stumbled a little bit out of the gate. Okay. I think everybody knows I've been very critical of, you know, how Warner Brothers has managed and stewarded the DC properties up to a certain point. And they stumbled out of the gate. Look, everybody knows how much I love Man of Steel. I also liked Batman vs. Superman. And I liked Suicide Squad. I gave all three of those film positive reviews. But even I, somebody who gave them all positive reviews, will acknowledge those films failed to garner the public and critic love that the Marvel Cinematic Universe films did. I mean, you'd have to be sticking your head in the sand to deny that. It is obviously clear that the the first number of DCEU films have failed to garner the same type of fan and audience love and critical love um, that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had. Fine. That, that's what it, what it is. And yes, you're right. They've had a lot of projects stuck in development hell. And it was a, it's got, it got pretty much really messy over there. However... Remember, I think Warner Brothers listened to all the criticism and they saw all the divisiveness that their films were causing and they saw the development hell a lot of the projects were going in and they saw a lot of creative directors and writers coming and going and coming and going and coming and going and coming and going and And they'd made a big shakeup. They reorganized their leadership and they seemed to develop a new philosophy. And let's be fair to Warner Brothers and DC. It was the smart move. And ever since they've done that, things have gotten a lot more quiet. Now we hear things from DC like, hey, we're going to take our foot off the gas. We're going to let Justice League come out. We're going to evaluate where you are from there. And we're going to move forward from there. They've taken a much more patient and a much more sober look at their stuff. And that's why, you know, a number of months ago, it seemed like every week there was a new story about Oh, this is the story of this DC movie. Now it's not that story. We've brought in this writer. That writer is left. We've got this director. That director is left. Like it seemed like every week there was one of those stories. But ever since Warner Brothers just kind of steered the ship again, reorganized their leadership and refocused, it seems like we haven't had nearly that kind of drama ever since. Whatever Warner Brothers has been doing seems to have been working. On top of that, they've got a big hit with Wonder Woman. They desperately needed a big hit. And when I say big hit, I don't just mean money. I mean the critics liked it and the fans loved it. Just like they've critics and fans have loved the Marvel films, now they've got a movie like that of their own in Wonder Woman. And look, winning fixes a lot of problems. And having a big win under their belt over at Warner Brothers DC, I think is a big thing for them. And I think it's going to make them feel really confident. Now, they still got to get Justice League out. And that's important. But I'll say this right now, and I believed it before, and I will believe it again. I've been criticized for saying this in the past, but I will say it again. All DC and Warner Bros. needs to do is have a big hit with Justice League. You have a big hit with Justice League, and I don't just mean make $800 million. I mean, be a hit with the critics and be a hit with the fans. You do that with a Justice League movie, then you're cooking. All of a sudden, you're back in the driver's seat. It's great that it happened with Wonder Woman, but you got to now do it with Justice League. And and I'm going to tell you this. I wholeheartedly believe this with all my heart. If Batman versus Superman had been that type of a hit, 
that the fans universally loved and the critics universally loved, I guarantee you right now, we wouldn't be having this conversation about can DC catch up with Marvel because I will contend that I believe DC would have already caught up with Marvel at that because you have the two biggest superheroes in the world, Batman and Superman, fighting each other in a movie that people like me have been waiting decades to see if they had crushed that. And I still enjoyed it, but a lot of people didn't. But if they had crushed that movie, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. But they have another chance with Justice League. And Wonder Woman set it up perfectly. So hopefully now DC can come along. And yes, do I believe DC can eventually have the same success as Marvel had? Yes, but they need to start crushing it. If Justice League, heaven help them. If Justice League disappoints, then they could be taking three steps backwards. But you know, they've, they finished principal photography. They brought in a very capable guy in Joss Whedon to finish up the post-production and do all the reshoots and stuff like that. They've got it in really good hands right now, picking up on the work that Zack Snyder had already laid down. I, I choose to be optimistic. The trailers have been really good for Justice League. Let's be optimistic and we'll know soon enough how this all turns out. All right. And we move on to the final question today. And the final question today comes in from HardyBuck14, who writes, Thoughts on the Borg versus McEnroe trailer? And do you think Shia LaBeouf is capable of being an Oscar winner? Yeah, that, I, if you have not seen the trailer for Borg versus McEnroe, hop on YouTube and watch it. Even if you're not a tennis fan, I think you'll be blown away. The amount of drama that is just packed into this trailer is crazy good. And Shia LaBeouf doing John McEnroe, I think is inspired. And I don't know who that dude is playing Bjorn Borg, but that dude is awesome. And you could just feel it. These two contrasting different dudes with their styles, both in personal life and in their tennis play, like that completely contrast each other. And they were an epic matchup for the ages, these two. And that, I thought the trailer was brilliant. I honestly, as soon as I don't do this often, even with trailers, I love the moment it was done. I rewind it and watch. I watch it again. I thought it was beautiful. Look, um, there's two questions here. Is Shia LaBeouf uh, capable of winning an Oscar? And is Shia LaBeouf a bit of a nut job? And the answer to that is yes to both. Shia LaBeouf is clearly proving that he's not a stable human being. Um, he was just arrested again recently for something. And all that is true. He's, he seems to be a bit of an up job, losing control. And I hope somebody helps him get a hold of his life and he gets some help. But I'm also going to say that has nothing to do with how talented the dude is an actor. I have always stood behind Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah. His character was terrible in Indiana Jones 4, but that's what the character was. That wasn't him. He gave as good of a performance as you could have in that role. I think he's one of a hell of a world-class actor. I think he's in top 20 best actors working today. I think he's amazingly talented. I think he's incredible. And is he capable of winning an Oscar? Yes. Is Borg versus Macaro the type of movie that could win him an Oscar? Won't know till I see the movie, but the trailer seems to suggest that maybe it could be. Uh, although Hollywood might not be ready to kind of welcome him in at this point. I don't know. I hope the dude gets his act together because he's just too talented to not be in big movies for us to enjoy his talent. So I hope he gets there sometime. So anyway, once again, big congratulations 
congratulations to Adam and Beth on your forthcoming uh, new family. And thank you guys for joining me. Listen to me while you're here. Why don't you subscribe to my YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Share this video around. Let people know about the John Campy podcast and let people know about my YouTube channel in general. Make sure you're following me on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, simply at John Campia. That'll do it for, for me today, guys. I'll be back again a little bit later during the day. Hopefully, I'll have my review of Valerian up a little bit later this afternoon. Please make sure you check that out. And until next time, bye-bye. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.